Can we invite you to turn, please, for a scripture reading to the book of Daniel and chapter 3. very familiar passage, I'm sure, to us all. Daniel chapter 3. We're breaking in at verse 8 of the chapter. <clears throat> Daniel 3 and verse 8. Let's follow the reading. Wherefore, at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made, well, but if you worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake, and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counsellors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men, loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Amen. May the Lord bless these verses to our hearts. <coughs> I invite you to turn, please, to that passage we were reading in Daniel chapter 3. Say we are all familiar with the passage. If you want a text, we could take the verse 25, where we read, He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. With God's Word open before us, let's just unite our hearts for a moment in prayer. And uh, do pray, beloved. The Lord will have a word in season. The preacher doesn't know your need, but the Lord does. Pray that the Lord will have something to say for the good of your soul, and that you might be encouraged even in your walk with him today. Our loving Father, we're so thankful that in times like these, oh, especially in times like these, we have a Bible. We can open thy precious word, and our, our prayer is, Lord, that thou as the author of this book would just come near right now and speak to our hearts. Thou knowest our needs. Lord, for all we know, somebody here could be at wit's end. The world has come in around them. Maybe some have become so discouraged they don't know how they'll ever press on. Maybe some are carrying burdens that others know nothing of. Whatever the circumstances, we pray that thou wilt come near and encourage our hearts. Give to us, Lord, every one, no matter what age bracket we may be in, give us every one a fresh vision of thyself, or a fresh burden for the great need that lies to hand. Thou hast bidden us lift up your eyes onto the fields. Look on the fields, they're white and ready to harvest. Oh, we pray, cause thy word to to be a blessing to our hearts. Hide man out of sight. Remember Mr. Kenny today. We pray for him, him and his wife and family. Bless them. Encourage them. Strengthen and refresh them. And as he returns to his pulpit here, we pray that he'll come back on fire for God. Bless those, Lord, who have been mentioned, who are heavy of heart today because of the loss of a dear one. Well, we thank thee. Whatever the circumstances, we can look to thee for grace and comfort. We pray that even out of such circumstances it might please Thee to, to draw others savingly unto Thyself. Whatever the situation, we pray that Thy name will be glorified. Come now, bless Thy word to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We do live, I'm sure you don't need to be reminded, we live in a day of compromise 
Many of God's people are under pressure to change with changing times. Unfortunately, much of that change is going in the wrong direction. So there's a, a lamentable decline today as people slide further and further away from biblical standards. We're seeing things in this province this year that 10 years ago we'd never have dreamed of. The things that are going on being taught in schools, they are robbing our children of the right to discipline. I mean, this book explicitly says in Proverbs 23, withhold not correction from the child. If thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Then it says, thou shalt beat him with the rod, and thou shalt deliver his soul from hell. Now, we're not suggesting that you hammer the life out of the winds. not saying that at all. Correction needs to be given. It's for the child's good. I grew up, and I knew what the, the use of the rod was. I did something I shouldn't have done. I got, a slap, I got a slap for it. But it was explained to me why I was getting it. My parents had to do what was right before God. I'm not saying it turned out perfect, but at least it turned out not a rebel against society. Children need instruction, and God's word's always right. And so our society, they, they purport to protect children, and yet the very system that says they're protecting, that's the system that's abusing them. It's all crazy. What a mess this world is. You turn, people are going out of their way today to be offended. You turn to open your mouth or somebody's hurt over it, and you could have a court case. Then you have social media. Now, mention was made of a dear brother who, well, he's reached 100. That, that's, a, that's marvelous. That's amazing. I don't know if he's tuned in. If he is, happy birthday. But for those who can't get out to God's house, it's a great thing that we have social media and they can tune in and listen to God's Word. But on the other side of that, how many have learned a bad habit? Yes, we, we detested COVID and, and, and the lockdown of our churches and all the rest of it. And it was good that we could tune in and at least get a message from God's Word somewhere. But how many are guilty today of just using this as an excuse not to come out to God's house. This book says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. And social media has taught people a bad habit. I was in one of our churches up in Tyrone a couple of weeks ago, and there were a couple of people there out for the first time since COVID. Where have they been? There are a whole lot who still haven't made it back. Oh, it was too easy. I heard a lady say one day, she loves waking up on a Sunday morning. She can lie in her bed and tune in on her mobile phone, and she can watch the service there. That's all very well. She's losing out, missing out with the fellowship of God's people. There's no substitute for that. If you're able to be here, be here. I'm glad to see you today. Thank God we're able to come. The day might come when you'll be lying in a corner and can't get out of it, and you'll be wishing you could get out to God's house. 
God says in 1 Samuel 2, 30, Them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. This today, beloved, is a day when we need to stand up and be counted. Let's never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The ungodly, I'm sure you've noticed, the ungodly are never ashamed to let it be seen they are ungodly. Don't they parade our streets showing off their sin and wickedness? And they're proud of it. And God's people go about with their head down. Some don't even carry a Bible anymore in case they'd be noticed. God deliver us from that kind of thing. We would do well to emulate the example of three young men. And I understand these were young men, these young Jews that we read of in this passage of Scripture. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, better known to us by the, the Babylonian names that were given to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three friends of Daniel. And they appear for only a little time on the pages of Holy Writ. And what a testimony these young fellows have left to us. Here are three young men who, along with Daniel, refused to follow the compromising trend of their day. And this compromise that we're speaking of that's happening today, it's nothing new. You will know that the, the tide ebbs and flows all the time. There are times when God's people are on fire for God. But then they get used to that and they become slack and careless and the tide goes out. And we have times of dearth and emptiness and half-heartedness. Isn't this where we're at today? And we're all in danger of being contaminated with this. Here were three. They, they determined not to defile themselves with the abominable, idolatrous practices of Babylon, but they separated themselves unto God, even if it meant they should forfeit their own lives. We're not allowed to say anything today that might offend those whose lifestyle is abominable in the sight of God. As we've said, people go out of their way to be offended these days. But, beloved, we would all do well to pray for the young people of today. Thank God for young people in this congregation. Thank God for children brought out to Sunday school and to church. This world is no friend to young people in this day and age. And they need all the encouragement they can get. And let those of us who are older never despise or belittle young folk. Remember, we used to be young too. We've been there. And if we didn't run after the, if you didn't run after the things of the world when you were young, it was only by the grace of God. Encourage those who are coming behind. Young people are the church today. They're the ones who are going to be responsible for keeping these doors open. Let's encourage them every step of the way and do all we can to help them. I wonder how many of us would show the kind of courage that these three young men demonstrated. Isn't it a tragic reality? Today, there's, there's just no fear of God before men's eyes. One thing that must be said about these three young fellows, these Jews, is that they were unashamedly 
men of God, no matter whose company they were in. Oh, they knew how to have a bit of fun, but they knew how to walk with God. As we look at them for a moment or two, just two things I want to notice with God's help. Firstly, you have the, the conviction of God's servants. The authorities in Babylon may have changed the names of these three young servants of God, but Babylon could not change their nature. They loved and lived for the unchanging God. And they determined not to compromise with this sinful old world. And it is so encouraging today to see young folk around our churches going on with God, doing, living as best they can for the Lord. I know a group of young fellows, and uh, it might be a benefit to, to young folk here maybe to do the same thing. We've all got mobile phones these days. You know what WhatsApp is? I know a group of young fellows who have set up their own little group on WhatsApp. And as they're doing their daily readings each morning, if there's a verse of Scripture that encourages their hearts, they type a wee message to all their friends. I got this from the Lord this morning. Or I, I spoke to so-and-so, had a word of witness, and they encourage one another. Or somebody has a, a difficulty, and they share that among themselves and pray for one another. And then every now and again, they, they meet up and they have times of prayer. And those fellows are going on with the Lord. I'm talking about young lads in their early 20s. And that's happening today. I could name some of them. It just rejoices our hearts to see that kind of attitude. The, the, the preaching of the old-fashioned gospel of redeeming love today, you know that in some places that, that message is so uh, adulterated, you hardly recognize it, and sometimes you have to look hard to find Christ in it. In 2 Timothy 4 and 2 is a command from God, preach the word. It be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. It just means preach the word when people want to hear it and when they don't. Doesn't it grieve your heart when you go to a funeral service and somebody gets up and he has no message for the people? They're staring death in the face, a coffin sitting in the front of the church, and the preacher has no message for the people in the pew. It's lamentable. But it's happening. 1 Corinthians 1.21 makes it plain. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, it doesn't say foolish preaching, but the foolishness of preaching. And we recognize preaching is foolishness to them that perish. But to them that believe, it's the power of God unto salvation. God's people, young and old, are called to remain true and faithful to him and to his word, irrespective of what the modernists may clamor after. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He never changes. Sin will always be sin. There will ever only be one way of salvation, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. There will never be any other way for a poor sinner to reach heaven than through Christ's great work of atonement upon the cross. And it's appropriate we'll be remembering that a little later 
as we made around his table. There's got to be repentance from sin. You don't hear repentance preached much these days, do you? Must be a turning away from sin. Why? Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Oh, we know the verses, don't we? Scripture is clear. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He'll not see it. How many times do you hear somebody passes away and the the friends will say, oh, they're up there now, they're having a good time, they're watching that. Listen, if they're not born again of the Spirit of God, they're in a lost eternity. There's no messing with God. But let any person acknowledge that he is just an old-fashioned guilty sinner. Let him come in old-fashioned repentance and trust in God's old-fashioned mercy and grace. And he can go on his way rejoicing in God's old-fashioned forgiveness and know the peace of God reigning in his heart. This passage of Scripture stands as a warning not to compromise the truth, but it also stands as an encouragement to God's people that when you do what's right by God, and when the church stands up for what God has called her to stand for, then she may enjoy victory over even the most vehement onslaught of the demons of hell itself. Let's never forget the Christian life is a life of warfare. God never promised us a bed of roses. There will be trials and difficulties along the way. We're in a war. Satan is our great adversary. And the spoils of war, the souls of men. Beloved, if somebody's looking for a, an easy ride home to heaven, he's on the wrong train. All hell is against Jesus Christ. And as long as we live, we're going to have conflict on our hands. And when you look at this passage, you can see just how far that conflict extended. Here, three young fellows, believers, and they're found not just in the line of fire, but in a literal fire, a furnace of fire. And the fire here in this furnace was symbolic of the rage that burned in the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. Look at verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, you see him, red-necked, bursting at the seams, in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they brought these men before the king. Verse 19, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Full of fury, because these young believers dared to stand up for Christ and for what they believed, dared to stand for the cause of the God we worship. This man's rage was manifested in the heating of that furnace of seven times its normal working temperature. He was ablaze with rage. Why? Because he was so full of himself. He had made that image 
or had it made that image of himself and, and issued a command that his citizens must bow down and worship it. Who do you think he was? But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego rightly refused to do that and instead chose to be faithful to God. Beloved, if you were under pressure to conform to society, would you bend the knee? Would you buckle? I'm not, I'm not saying you would. The challenge goes to my heart too. Would we bend and buckle or would we stand up and say, well, by God's grace, I stand with him, come what may. That's where these young fellows stood. Verse 10 describes that as a, as a golden image. So in the eyes of the world, it was something valuable. However, verse 12, it's reported to Nebuchadnezzar that these young fellows serve not thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou set up. Well, we know why, of course, don't we? The second commandment forbids it. Exodus 24 and 5, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or in earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. And notice these words. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Again, sinning parents need to realize just what they're doing to their children. Influence Influence is so important. How many parents today really don't care about their children's spiritual well-being? Maybe some of you have knocked doors and invited children to a children's meeting or something like that. And the parent will turn to the child, do you want to go? And the child's standing, there's a stranger at the door and, and the parents said, do you want to go with the stranger? Of course he doesn't want to go. The parents should be taking the child to the meeting, getting them under the sound of the word. There are parents across this province today, and they're going to have to answer to God because they are not instructing their children. They're not encouraging their children to get under the sound of God's word. And it's tragic and thank God for praying people who take the time and make the effort to get children under the sound of the Word of God. You couldn't pray too much for youngsters these days. This world, as we said already, this world is no friend to their souls. And let's do all we can to encourage them. We don't need to be bowing to images. We have a great high priest in the person of Christ Jesus the Lord. We don't need the intercession of Mary or any of the saints, as some do. Indeed, if you read Acts chapter 1 concerning the prayer meeting in the upper room, you'll discover that Mary was there praying along with the other disciples. They weren't praying to her. She was praying with them to the same Lord Jesus. But here's Nebuchadnezzar. He's commanding men to worship him. This is the spirit of Antichrist. This is right up to date, isn't it? 
We've seen men arrested in England for daring to suggest that God created male and female. Men just don't want God's truth. We're reaching, coming very close to that day when the man of sin will appear on the world stage. Now he'll be so flamboyant, people will think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. We'll have all the right answers to the world's economic and social problems. He'll have such a following that people will literally worship the ground he walks on. But he's the devil's agent. He's Antichrist. And God's going to destroy him. Matthew 4 and 10, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Here are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego brought before Nebuchadnezzar on the charge of refusing to worship his image. But notice how calm they are. Verses 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, they weren't in any panic over this man's threats. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. God could deliver them, but whether the Lord would choose to do that or let them be burned to death, they didn't care. Whatever happened, they were happy to accept God's will for them. If it meant death, so be it. They would not bow to any idol. And of course, the calmness of these young men showed that they showed it only added to Nebuchadnezzar's anger. They said, if God wants us dead, so be it. We're trusting him. I'm not going to sin our souls just to stay alive a while longer. What would you do, beloved? Would you choose to die rather than bow to the, the spirit of Antichrist? Well, we, we may have got away from the days of men like Latimer and Ridley who were martyred for the cause of Christ, but it must be said that fury still rages against the Church of Christ today. Ecumenism tries to bring all denominations under the one umbrella. It doesn't work. It can't work. There'll ever only be one way of salvation, and as we've said already, that's through the blood of Christ. It is that exclusive. If there was to be one world church, as, as some people would clamor after, and then somebody somewhere is going to have to compromise on truth. Such compromise was a no-no for these young Jews. We know secondly here the courage of these servants. Verses 21 to 23 gives the, the record of how they were bound and cast into that fiery furnace. But, you know, as those young men went down into that flame, there was a far greater flame of faith burning in their souls. They had an implicit trust in God that triumphed over the flames of the furnace. They wouldn't bow to Nebuchadnezzar or to peer pressure just to save themselves, but rather willingly give themselves to the furnace to let God do whatever seemed good to him. You know, some people might have said to these young fellows, listen, 
Why, why don't you save yourselves a lot of trouble? Just go, pretend at least to go along with the king's decree. They might have suggested, sure, go through the motions of bowing to a statue. We know you don't mean it. But wouldn't it save your own necks? Well, they weren't prepared to do that. Why? Because it would have appeared to the outside world that they had renounced their faith in God and were ashamed of him. And they weren't about to do that. Ungodly men, you see, may not read their Bible, but they read the life of the Christian. You, as a believer, you do something you shouldn't do. And the ungodly were the first to tell you. thought you were a Christian. I didn't think you would do a thing like that. They, they, they can tell you what you're right and wrong. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Young people today, as we've been saying, they're, they're under tremendous pressure to conform to the ways of this sinful world, and young Christians need to plead the grace and strength of God to resist the devil. And again, I say to those who are older, be there for them. Encourage them. Pray for them. It's too easy to write young people off. I, I've lost count of the number of older folk I've met who have forgotten what it's like to be young. And young people today, as we've been saying, they're facing things that older people never had to contend with. Here were young men under pressure to conform to the world around them, but they refused to budge. They stood up for God for what was right, and here's the beauty of the thing. They weren't left to stand alone. Those persecutors who forced them into the furnace were actually slain with the heat of it, yet Nebuchadnezzar looked in expecting to find three carcasses. Now, what did he find? Four men. Perfect health. Not even singed. Not even the smell of burning upon them. Why? Because the Lord was in there with them. The Lord recognized the faith of these three and went in there and joined them in the flame. And Nebuchadnezzar suddenly got his eyes opened to behold the form of the fourth person was indeed the Son of God. Isaiah 43, 2 and 3 has these words, When thou passest through the waters, not if, but when, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Why? For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Oh, many a child of God has found immense comfort in those words, perhaps on his deathbed or in some trying situation. Christ comes into the place of suffering with his child. Beloved, he's able to deliver you from whatever trials come your way. But you notice here how other people benefit when you take your stand. Notice verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth 
and come hither. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. Verse 28, then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, now notice this, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angels and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. And he immediately set a new decree that all men should now worship the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you see that? If these young fellows hadn't stood their ground for the things of God, Nebuchadnezzar might have died in idolatry. But because of the stand that these young fellows took, his heart was changed as a result of the faith of these three young fellows. Multitudes were delivered from a life of idolatry. They went into the fire bound, but Christ loosed them, and as a result, the entire nation, the entire nation was brought to enjoy the benefit. And the bottom line here is, for these three young fellows, when they, they took their stand for God, they were brought to walk with Christ in glorious freedom. Isn't that what's so needed amongst Ulster's young people today? How many are held in the chains of sin? They don't want the gospel. But if they could only see it, the Lord could deliver them from the hold that Satan has on them and give them a life of glorious freedom to enjoy the blessings of his so great salvation. If God be for us, who can be against us? The God of these three men, and Daniel's God, he's still our God, and he's still able. Let us then cry to him, for a mighty move of his Holy Spirit upon this nation of ours, that we might see men and women delivered from sin and brought to enjoy this glorious freedom of Christ's gospel. God has said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Beloved, pray for a fresh vision of Christ for your own soul. Pray for a fresh burden for the work of God, even in this house, across this province. Pray for our young people that God will strengthen them. Pray for yourself that you might be used as an encouragement to them. Now let's look to the Lord. You know, there's potential here for revival across this province. Wouldn't you want to be part of it? God is able. Do we believe it? And let's prove it by the way we live. Fill out our prayer meetings. Come with expectancy. Cry to God for such a move of His Holy Spirit that will turn this land upside down even once more for His glory. May the Lord encourage our hearts to be up and doing for Him while it is day. And may the influence of these young men prove to be a blessing to our souls.